Local voices, local conversations. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. We know from national stories that for elected leaders, when someone is out to get them, it's very hard to turn off the spigot of accusations. Sometimes this even happens on the local level. And so it is for Napa County Clerk Assessor Registrar Recorder John Tudor. Starting with a set of original accusations from the Napa County Civil Grand Jury about some underassessment and unpaid taxes stemming from a cell site on his property, it has now blossomed into additional accusations from that grand jury and a seeming lack of transparency from the court with respect to the sealed transcript of those grand jury proceedings. The good news is that all of this will soon have its day in court. A judge, and not a group of people with an agenda, will soon make the determinations about what's public and what isn't, and about the merits of these charges. To put all of this in perspective, I'm happy to be joined once again by Napa County Clerk, Assessor, Registrar, Recorder, John Tudor. John, thanks so much for joining us. Always my pleasure. It's great great to have you here. Just when we thought we had sort of gotten to the end of this story, or at least uh, an end point in this part of the story in our last conversation, new things, new developments have happened. When last we left this story, when last you and I had talked, there were these charges that that had come out of the grand jury with respect to assessment and taxes on this this sell site on the property. And there was a court date that was scheduled for, I think, April 24th. I may be wrong about that, in which you would have the opportunity to present your defense and and your facts with regard to this case. Since then, there have been some new developments, first from the grand jury and then with respect to the sealing of the grand jury transcript. Talk first about the additional charges that have come forth. Well, let's start at the beginning. So on March 8th, I got a call from the print media saying, are you aware that an order is going to be filed uh, claiming that you and your sister, as trustees of your Tudor family trust that owns our ranch, uh, are being are about to be sued by the attorney general for underpayment of taxes. And I said I was not aware. Turns out the foreperson of the grand jury had alerted the media, that person who called me, to the fact that he was about to file that order. And I've mentioned that to you on the air. The second thing that happened on March 19th, which is 11 days later, I got a letter. First, I got a courtesy phone call from the supervising deputy attorney general who's handling this matter. And he said that uh, I was about to be uh, presented with an accusation of willful and corrupt misconduct in office. And I received that with a cover letter on March 19th of 2019. And in that letter, as you correctly pointed out, the hearing for that to be discussed was April 24th. And that is still, as far as I know, a set hearing date at 8.30 a.m. in uh, Department E, I believe. So since that time, I was served with the transcript which is required under the California statutes that govern an accusation against uh, an official like myself. I was served with the transcript on Friday, April 13th at 2.50 p.m., and to my surprise, the transcript was sealed. Uh, The law governing this transcript is the uh, Penal Code 938.1, And it says the transcript shall be public unless sealed. 
and I had expected it to be public. Uh, I want it to be public. I think when everyone reads the transcript, they'll understand where all of this comes from. And so I have today, through my attorney, filed a motion with the Napa County Courts to unseal the transcript and to compel the grand jury to provide more material that they took before the proceedings that are subject to the transcript. So it's a double motion, one to unseal the existing transcript and the other to compel production of more material from the grand jury. That we've asked the judge, uh, and I don't know which judge, we've asked the judge to schedule that for Thursday, April 19th, at 8.30 a.m., and we do not have confirmation of that yet. That has nothing, I mean, that will not change, as far as I know, the April 24th hearing. Right. Let me go back a little bit to the 19th of March and these additional accusations that were referred to, and, and I think you used the phrase before as well, willful and corrupt misconduct. When those charges were brought forth, they went beyond the original discussion of of the taxes and the assessment regarding the cell site on your property. They went to some other issues with respect to the Williamson Act, with respect to comments you had made to the Board of Supervisors. Talk a little about what those were, first of all, and secondly, what was your reaction when you originally heard those charges? All right, well, let's, let's just run through. So first of all, the civil suit order, which is nothing's happened on it yet, it's just sitting there. The order is from the grand jury to the attorney general, because as we've discussed, our local district attorney, Allison Haley, has recused herself, meaning right. she has passed it on to the state attorney general uh, for reasons that I am not privy to, but I'm certainly acceptable to me. That's her. Uh, she certainly has the choice to pass it up to the state attorney general right. who acts and, and, on the right. behalf of the grand jury. And we should point out that that's very common in these local political issues when there's a sense that there are local electeds that, that know each other, that often have to work together, and that it is uh, always better for local law enforcement or the local district attorney to recuse itself and, and, and pass it on to an objective third party in Sacramento. That's right. So... The, f the order that was filed is for the attorney general to file a civil suit to get the taxes back from my sister and myself as trustees of our family trust. The reason that there are alleged back taxes, which I dispute, is that a mistake was made, which is part of, which is count two of the accusation, that a mistake was made in, in my office. I made the mistake. This is alleged and that I made the mistakes resulting in my paying less taxes than I should on my own property. So that's count number two, and that's directly related to the order. Count number one is that I failed to pursue my duties as assessor to get adequate information back from property owners to make sure who are under the Williamson Act, and the Williamson Act requires property owners to tell the assessor certain stuff about their property, which remains confidential, like how much they're selling their grapes for, how many tons of grapes they get, how much it costs to harvest them. For grazing uh, entities, ranchers like m my family, 
we're supposed to tell how many cows we run, how much we're paid if we're leasing it or sharing it on a management basis, et cetera. So the first count is that I did not do enough of that and that therefore the Williamson Act holders, of which there are some 800 in the county, are receiving a benefit to which a greater benefit than to which they're entitled. Then finally, uh, that's the first one. The third count uh, is also related to the Williamson Act, uh, just saying that, um, again, that I should have done certain other things with the Board of Supervisors to make sure that the... Uh, that the Williamson Act was correctly covered uh, and carried out and that I didn't do that. So the fourth count is that I appeared before the Board of Supervisors as the county assessor and that I tried to influence the board to not adopt a program that would have raised not only my taxes but all of the holders of Williamson Act contracts in the county, all 800, some are owned by the same people, so they're not that many holders. Um, and that that was a conflict of interest under the Fair Political Practices Act, and that that was serious enough that that was another reason that I should be removed from office. Um, so that is the three counts. The first one, I didn't send out enough questionnaires right. and didn't follow through. The second, that I made a mistake on my own property, and the third, that I did not uh, apply the correct incomes to all the grazing parcels under contract, and then, of course, the fourth one, that I had a substantial conflict of interest in talking to the board. When you became aware of these four charges, well, actually three out of the four, because you already knew about one, talk a little bit about what your reaction was. Well, my reaction was, first of all, and most importantly, was to publish the accusation. And, I, and I'm not, I didn't then, and I'm not now, uh, going to comment on my response to those charges. That's something that has to be handled in the court context. I'm not going to carry out this disagreement with the grand jury uh, in the media. I'm going to carry it out in the appropriate fashion, as you know from the motions we filed my first reaction was to let everybody know what it was about, just like I let them know about the order. And my response was that I'm going to present a vigorous defense to these charges, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Right. Were you questioned initially by the grand jury with respect to any of these four counts? Well, unfortunately, because the transcript is sealed, uh, Jeff, and also because... Anyone dealing with the grand jury is admonished about revealing what's happened during the investigation. I cannot answer that question. As soon as the transcript is unsealed, which I hope will help happen as early as Thursday, the answer to that question will be very clear. Mm -hmm. And have you read the transcript? I have, in detail, and so has my counsel, mm -hmm. who is a private attorney, by the way, not county counsel. Right. What involvement, if any, does county council have in all of this, by the way? Um, actually, not much. Um, county council, well, there's sort of a sideline uh, that's related to this. Um, county council actually, under the law, represents the grand jury. 
uh, in certain items, just as, and I'm not an expert on this, so I'm just telling you what as a mm-hmm. layperson I think. So if the grand jury's doing civil matters or accusations like this, both the county council of Napa County and the district attorney are sort of advisors to the grand jury, sort of their legal counsel. I'm not exactly sure how they share those duties. So that's been the involvement of county council, but to the best of my knowledge, county council has refrained from participating in this specific process uh, after it's, I guess it started. I'm not exactly sure when, and I'm not privy to that. And I also know that the district attorney at some point recused themselves from this, so at the moment, I'm not sure who's representing the grand right. jury. I mean, I guess the other question with respect to conflicts of interest as it relates to the grand jury is that they operate under the guidance, at the very least, of the presiding judge of of the county. And therefore, it, it does seem odd that they're also making the determination with respect to your motions and any other motions that are filed in this case. Well, I mean, there's a couple of, uh, we don't know who's going to hear our motions. Uh, it could be a local judge. Uh, as you remember from the court case over the election controversy back in 2004, right. all six of our local judges at the time recused themselves, and an outside judge heard that from Marin County. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard nothing like that to, to date. Uh, it was a local judge who sealed the transcript. And so my guess is that a local judge is going to hear the motion to unseal it. I don't know that. But, again, I don't think there's a conflict. They appoint the grand jurors, but they don't oversee their deliberations. As you and I just said, that's sort of a county council district attorney, now attorney general kind of relationship to the grand jurors. Um, and the judges don't get, I don't believe, directly involved once they've appointed the grand jury. I don't know that. I assume the grand jury at some point reports to the judges, but I'm not even aware of that. Right. I mean, the grand jury does report, my understanding is the grand jury does report to the court through the presiding, the presiding judge in the county. The other question is, do you have any idea whether it was at the urging of the grand jury that the transcript was sealed, or was it done strictly by the courts? Well, so I don't know why the grand why the transcript was sealed. Um, one speculation was that in the code section, which is uh, Penal Code 938.1, it says the transcript shall be made public, but only after 10 days. And so those 10 days began on April 13th when it was presented to me. So one theory is that the judge sealed it just to make sure that the 10 days stayed there, but we don't know that, and there's no time limit on the sealing, which is one of the reasons for our motion. So we're asking for an immediate unsealing and release of the transcript. The main reason for sealing the transcript, Jeff, in the code, Mm -hmm. in 938.1, is to protect the defendant from stuff coming out that would prejudice them getting an impartial and fair trial. And there's clearly nothing in the transcript um, that does that to me. In fact, there's a whole bunch in the transcript that would tend to uh, justify my vigorous defense and uphold my objection to the accusation and the order. 
Is it your sense, and you probably can't answer this, but is it your sense that the transcript will give us information with respect to who the anonymous source was that brought the original complaint? I can say yes. Yes, it will. Yes. Okay. Talk a little bit about what happens next. You say you your your attorney has filed a motion today. The I assume the grand jury has been notified of that motion. Talk about the next steps as you understand it. Well, I don't know. I, the only person I know, so let me just back up a minute here. The prosecutor in this case, it's not a criminal case. I want to make that clear. It's it's like a criminal case, but it isn't a criminal case. There's no criminal penalties, as you're aware. The only result, if this were to, by some fluke, be proven to be true, would I be removed from office. And that's the only penalty, which is a bad enough penalty, of course, but it's not a criminal matter. Um, so the attorney general is, quote, prosecuting this on behalf of the grand jury, so the people we notified of the motion, which we did yesterday, uh, before filing it this morning, was the supervising deputy attorney general and mm -hmm. his colleagues who will be actually representing them at if a hearing's held on this Thursday and at the hearing on Tuesday the 24th of the motions uh, so that they're able, when if the judge grants our request for a Thursday, April 19th, 8.30 a.m. hearing, the attorney general's staff have had a chance to review the motions and take whatever position they're going to take before the judge. To your knowledge... And then the next... I'm sorry, I just wanted to finish that, Go ahead. Jeff. Go ahead. The next step, of course, as far as I know, is the April 24th hearing at 8.30. Uh, and I believe Department E of the Superior Court, which is in the uh, 1111 Third Street building, at that point, we will make our objection uh, to the accusation and in a related sense to the order, and the attorney general will do whatever they do at that point, and then the judge will uh, either set a second hearing to make a decision on that objection, or I doubt that they'll rule on anything on April 24th. We're just going to present everything to the judge, and of course the attorney general is going to see our objection uh, before it goes to the judge, of course, just as with these motions, they get to see them first. What is your sense with regard to the degree that these four specific counts can be in any way bifurcated, that there may be legitimate confusion or not with respect to the sell side property and the taxes and the assessment and all the issues that we talked about previously, and that may be entirely different and entirely separate and apart from these other charges with respect to the Williamson Act. Talk a little bit about your sense of, of the way in which these things are potentially bifurcated. Well, they're actually quadrifurcated <laughs> <laughs> because they're, they're four counts. And there will be an objection uh, on my behalf to all four of the counts on various grounds. So they're, they're only related in that the Williamson Act is the umbrella of this. Uh, and my implementation of the, implement, of the Act and our staff's implementation of the Act, which has been in place, as you and I discussed, I think, in the most recent 
mm-hmm. conversation. So in 1969-70, I was asked, I was before I was in public office of any kind, I was asked to serve on a committee advising the Board of Supervisors uh, who were uh, the f- same supervisors who just passed the Ag Preserve in 1968 um, on whether or not they should bring the Williamson Act to Napa County. It's called the California Land Conservation Act. It's called the Williamson Act because of the assembly member who sponsored it. And I was on that committee as a cattle operator, along with a bunch of other cattle operators, many of whom unfortunately are deceased, (laughs) uh, now almost 50 years later. Um, And we recommended the board that they go ahead and adopt the Williamson Act, that it would help keep agriculture as one of the primary economic drivers of uh, Napa County. And they did eventually, shortly thereafter, adopt the Williamson Act, and then my family was not the first, but one of the first to sign up a contract back in 1970, I believe it was. And then, of course, I was unrelated to all of that. I was elected to the Board of Supervisors in 72 and served on the board from 73 through 80 and then became assessor in 87. Talk a little bit about the cost of all of this, John. It's not, uh, I, I suspect your attorney is not doing this on a pro bono basis. And and this Absolutely is something, not. right, I'm sure not. And this is something that in a way relates to the, the job you have as assessor. Talk a little bit about that and, and, and how this will play out in this regard, do you think? Well, I can say a couple of things about how it's playing out already. So first of all, I think this accusation has done more to improve my standing in the community uh, than I had before, and I hope before my reputation was already uh, pretty good. So I've had over a hundred comments from people, written notes, letters to the editor, phone calls, emails. I've had one negative comment from a person who didn't understand what happened to his property during the downturn. which was posted on a social media site, who was his message essentially was, hey, John, now you know what it's like to have your value changed wrong in an incorrect manner. His was not changed incorrectly, by the way. He just doesn't understand it. But out of 100, I've had one. So first of all, this accusation has helped my standing in the community, I believe, by people remembering who I am and what <laughs> I've done for the past 40 years. Uh, secondly, you mentioned the cost. I don't know what the cost is. I mean, I, we had to prepare some documents for the grand jury as a part of their investigation through the office. Uh, one of those documents alone that they asked for was 1,200 pages long and cost $200 to reproduce. Of course, they're getting support from whatever county council, district attorney, whoever is representing them at the moment. And that costs some money. Uh, Some of our staff, on their own time, had to appear before the grand jury as a part of the investigation, and staff from another uh, department in the county. That costs money. Um, So, I mean, we're not talking in the tens of thousands of dollars yet, uh, maybe in the low ten, maybe in the the mid-thousands of dollars so far. But this is, uh, you know, depending on what happens in terms of the response of the attorney general and the grand jury to these motions, it could go further. But I want to make one thing very clear here. My goal is to get this behind me. Uh, I'm very confident that's going to happen. Uh, And 
My goal is not to get into a contest with the grand jury over whether they release material that they're supposed to release. Um, all I'm trying to do here is get the transcript unsealed. If there's more material we can get out of the grand jury to bolster my vigorous defense, I want to do that. But if we have enough now for a judge to rule uh, based on the, whatever the attorney general says and my counsel says on April 24th or at a subsequent hearing that the accusation is thrown out and the order you know, to, for a civil suit is canceled, that's my goal. I don't want to drag this out. I don't want to get into a long contest with the grand jury over what their rights are to withhold material or what their rights are to my rights as a defendant is to see that material. So goal number one is to get this over with, uh, get on with my job, get on with what I have been doing for 32 years as assessor and hopefully will be doing for at least four more and maybe even more years since I'm running unopposed at the moment and get this behind me, get it over with, uh, let the public see what the process was and what happened here so that perhaps that won't happen again, uh, either by a grand jury or people complaining to the grand jury uh, in what I consider to be uh, something that was not worth starting in the first place. Which really raises a larger question, which I understand is not your problem. But if, in fact, you prevail in this, as you are extremely confident that you will, that if you prevail, it, it calls into question, it casts a pall, arguably, over the entire grand jury process. Well, that is one of the issues. And so, as you may have seen in the media, there was an appeal by the president of the Napa County Grand Jury Association last week for people to volunteer for the grand jury. Right. And in, in that they, the, in that commentary in the print media, it mentioned that all the deliberations of the grand jury are secret and people are protected from that. Well, first of all, the, maybe this grand jury didn't understand it, but it's very clear from Penal Code Section 938.1 that once you file an accusation against somebody, the transcript should be public. Okay? So that's very important. The second thing is... Uh, I don't want to get back at anybody. I don't know. I mean, I know who the complainant is because I've read the transcript. And when it comes out who the complainant is, I don't want to get back at that person. I don't want to get back at the grand jury. If the grand jury acted not in the best fashion in this whole manner, I just want it behind me. That's a learning experience for the grand jury and perhaps for the whole court and grand jury system. So I just want to Somebody, as I've said to people, I think they picked the wrong person to tangle with, and I just want to make sure that this is over uh, to everyone's satisfaction and that, uh, you know, we can go back to the normal operations of what I think and I think my colleagues throughout the state think is one of the best assessor's offices in the state. Have you talked to any of your colleagues around the state about this? Uh, I've gotten about... 10 to 15 responses from my 58 colleagues all saying, what's going on, John? <laughs> and I've, I've said the same thing to them that I've said to the others uh, who are more local people. And, of course, every time I send out a news release, I send it to all 58 of my county assessor colleagues, all 58 of my county recorder colleagues, and all 58 of my county elections colleagues, about 29 of or 20-some of which overlap. 
um, and I'm keeping them completely, just as I'm keeping our local public and totally informed of what's going on. So just before I let you go, John, I want to recap the dates on all of this, because I think it's important. The goal is to have this hearing, or what you're shooting for is to have this hearing on the 19th with respect to the unsealing of the transcript. Is that correct? Right, and the compelling of the grand jury to produce more material that so far they've not been willing to release. That's on the 19th at 8.30, but that's not certain. Mm -hmm. In order to get to the 19th at 8.30, we essentially have to have the concurrence of the Attorney General saying that's enough time for me to come in and talk to you, Your Honor. And we have to have the concurrence of the judge, most importantly, to make sure there's time on somebody's calendar to read the motions, have the time to have the hearing, and then and the attorney general will show up in Napa. So we'll know this afternoon whether that April 19th, 8.30 a.m. hearing is going to be held or not. If it's not, I will also know, I think, this afternoon when it will be held. And that will, uh, I will, of course, put out a news release. As you know from the news release I just sent out, I said that the hearing date and time have not yet been confirmed by the court. And if, in fact, that is put off, if the 19th is too soon for any reason or, or or there's a desire on the part of the grand jury or anybody else to slow roll this, will that impact the date of the 24th, the court date on the 24th? My understanding is no, they're not directly related. I mean, they are related in the sense that I need to have the trans. So, with a sealed right, I, transcript. I, right. Let me let, let let me ask you that because that is really <clears throat> the next question. How are you able to defend yourself on the twenty fourth with a sealed transcript? Well, that's well, so. I'll just give you an example. In our motion that was filed today, some of the exhibits to that motion are out of the transcript. So those had to be presented to the court in a sealed envelope. So I believe the motion is public at the moment, and if anybody wants to go look, I'll give you the case number. It's 18, C like in Charlie, R like in Richard, 000972. So those motions may be available right now to the public. I don't know that, but my guess is they are, just as the sealing order was available to the public the moment it was presented to me on uh, April 13th, along with the transcript. So we've had to put the things out of the transcript into envelopes so that we're not going against the court's order to seal it. So imagine that my objections using a sealed transcript is going to be a bunch of envelopes that nobody can read. That doesn't make for a very vigorous and clear defense of uh, or uh, attempt to deny the accusation. Which is why we're moving quickly to get it unsealed. All right. Well, I suspect that uh, we'll be talking about this again one way or another at one stage of this or another. And I thank you for your continued transparency about all of it. I appreciate it, John. My pleasure. And it's always nice having the great media that we have in Napa County, including yourself, to deal with these issues. Thank you, sir. Napa County Clerk, Assessor, Registrar, Recorder, John Tudor. Thanks so much for being with us. And we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.